Um, hello, everybody, and Kia Ora. Welcome to today's session um, on the National Freight and Supply Chain Strategy, uh, which we are facilitating together with the Department of Infrastructure, Transport, Regional Development and Communications, and CSIRO. My name is Ekaterina. I'm a communications officer at Austroads, and I will be moderating today's session together with Judy Lai, um, Assistant Director from the National Freight and Supply Chain um, Strategy Implementation Unit, who will moderate the Q&A at the end of the webinar. First of all, we would like to acknowledge the Australian Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people as the custodians of the land from which we are broadcasting today. We pay our respect to this past, present and emerging. We also acknowledge the Treaty of Waitani and Maori as the regional people of New Zealand. Um, a little bit of housekeeping. Um, so our guests will speak for about 40 minutes and then we will have a Q&A session for 15 minutes. The slides for today's presentation can be downloaded from the handout section of your sidebar, which you will find on the right-hand side of your screen. Um, please use the questions icon on that sidebar to send us your questions for the Q&A uh, at any time during the webinar. Um, if your question relates to any particular slide, please include the number of that slide in your message to help us answer um, your question as best as we can. You can also use uh, that same questions box to let us know if you have any technical problems. But a quick tip, if you lose sound or your picture freezes, the issue is most likely with your internet connection. So closing your browser and rejoining the session via your registration link usually helps. Um, this session is being recorded and we will let you know when the recording is available um, on our website. If you listen to podcasts, you can find Austroads in your podcast app. Um, and it gives me great pleasure to introduce our presenters for today, um, Georgia O'Keenan, Andrew Higgins and Deb Ferns. We will first hear from Georgia. Uh, she is an experienced uh, strategic urban policy professional um, with a career spanning 20 plus years of planning and transport policy and reform um, across all three levels of government in Australia. Um, Georgia will introduce the strategy and showcase the National Freight uh, Data Hubs prototype website and outline the hubs uh, goals and 13 key projects. Our second presenter is Andrew Higgins. Um, Andrew has a passion in developing um, novel methods to optimize agriculture, transport and logistics to increase um, profitability across the supply chains. Andrew will demonstrate how practitioners can use the supply chain benchmarking dashboard to um, compare supply chain metrics across commodities and transportation paths um, and use the new um, geographical filtering to get deeper insights um, on supply chains. And our third presenter is Deb Ferns. Um, Deb has an extensive um, career in federal government, working for a number of different agencies, leading the implementation of government projects and programs. Deb will provide um, a detailed overview of um, what the national urban freight planning principles are um, and what they mean for all levels of government and industry. So welcome to all our guests um, and over to you, Georgia. Thank you, Ekaterina. So um, I'm going to start by giving you a quick overview of the National Freight and Supply Chain Strategy itself before I launch into talking about the Freight Data Hub, which is one of the bigger initiatives of the Australian government under the strategy. So the, the supply chain strategy sets the agenda um, for coordinated, well-planned government and industry action out to 2040 and beyond. It's a national vision for freight systems and supply chains uh, with a focus on creating a strong and prosperous Australia. So we've developed the strategy in really close collaboration with all the state and territory governments and with industry over several years of consultation um, and workshops uh, for several reasons. Uh, the three big kind of purposes for the strategy are that Freight volumes are projected to grow by over 35% by 2040. And for urban freight, this growth is going to be even higher, we think at nearly 60%. So that's some pretty big changes for a transport system that's already uh, experiencing congestion and bottlenecks. 
The other really big change we want the strategy to, or the strategy does focus on is that new technologies are going to provide opportunities to improve freight performance, including things like truck telematics and GPS systems, the Internet of Things, automation and um, increased access to information flowing from all these changes. And the other really important reason for this um, national strategy is that we clearly need to strengthen the resilience of our supply chains from disruptions. And this was set out as a key pillar in the strategy um, even before we started experiencing the recent um, bout of bushfires, COVID, floods, um, but obviously the importance and the profile of resilience in our system has increased um, a lot even since the strategy was released. So uh, under the strategy, there is also a national action plan that, and a series of action or implementation plans set out by each of the states and territories, as well as the Australian government. Um, and there's four key areas of action. There is smarter and targeted infrastructure, enabling su improved supply chain connectivity and efficiency, better planning, coordination and regulation, um, which Deb's going to talk with us about today, and better, better freight location and performance data, which Andrew and I are going to focus on today as well. Um, so as Ekaterina has flagged, there's three presenters today. I'm going to talk through the National Freight Data Hub website um, and Andrew's going to talk through um, some really fantastic work on freight data and modelling under the supply chain benchmarking dashboard and CSIRO transit. Um, and then Deb's going to give us an overview of national urban freight planning principles. So all of these are the big, I guess, are some of the headline activities under that national strategy. So uh, the National Freight Data Hub, um, it's been a while in development. Um, we've been through a couple of years of detailed design work, again, consulting a lot um, with various industry groups um, and state and territory governments and also other Australian government agencies on what they need or want to see from a freight data hub. Um, funnily, it's one of those concepts that everyone agrees is a fantastic idea and should definitely be done. And nearly everyone you talk to has a different idea about what it actually is or what it will do. Um, so we've worked through all of that um, and really, I guess, in a nutshell, created this vision for the Freight Data Hub. I won't go through uh, and read every part of this slide. There's a lot actually in here. Um, but the key things I want to pull out are the focus on five data priorities up on the top right. Um, so that is almost the beginnings of a way that we would organise and categorise and tag data, uh, even data architecture kind of systems. Um, the outcomes um, on the top left are, are really quite quite focused for the Freight Data Hub, at least in this phase, on improving strategic planning and prioritising of investment decisions, um, supporting day-to-day -day operations without actually being deeply involved in real-time or day-to-day -day data. Um, one of the strong pieces of feedback we had was that um, most stakeholders don't want the National Freight Data Hub involved in real-time activities. There's already a lot of work going on in other areas. Um, but we can support those activities um, by working on data standards and better uptake of data standards. And thirdly, um, really doing a lot more work on how the freight system is performing and how we can improve it. So identifying bottlenecks, getting much better evidence bases, um, just to really identify down to a fine grain level where specific problems are happening and how they can be fixed. Um, and last but not least on this slide, um, really three really high level functions that people asked for from a freight data hub. Um, it's not just about open data. So um, there were people certainly wanted open data and they want the hub to be a curated um, and focused presentation of open data that's important and useful for freight decision making but they also want the Freight Data Hub to focus on more secure data sharing between trusted parties um, and, and finding a way to support that and to build connections of trust between people and organisations to increase data sharing, as well as providing some kind of platform or technology to enable that to happen.
And then last but not least, the Freight Data Hub, um, they've asked that it provide leadership and innovation in the sector, um, which will help link people with, link different organisations with each other, demonstrate the value of more and better freight data or more sharing of data, and really start to build connections and capability across that ecosystem. Um, and then we did also settle on a series of enduring questions for freight um, down the bottom there. Um, so uh, part of that detailed design work, um, we worked through, I think we started with around 170 use cases or, or projects or, or questions um, that, that had been raised for the Freight Data Hub to um, to address. Um, we did quite a lot of work to group those, um, remove duplicates, understand where the connections were, and, and basically merge those into 13 high priority data projects that are now running under the Freight Data Hub initiative. Um, again, I won't go through every single one of them here because the session would end up being four hours long, but you can see down the left there the titles um, and we'll certainly circulate the slides afterwards. Um, the really uh, key projects that have sort of deep connections into roads and road data um, are obviously the Road Freight Data Project um, and the Truck Movement Data Project. Um, and perhaps to a lesser extent, um, the next uh, set down here, um, this one about freight data standards at the bottom. Um, not sure if I can go back. Yes, I can. Um, so the Road Freight Data Project um, has two large streams of work under it and then multiple sub-projects under those. Um, the two streams of work are broadly around, the first one is around collecting um, really key data sets that are already released by the states and territories, some states and territories if not all. Um, Harmonising and curating those into broadly available, I guess, foundational national data sets. And so that's some of the stuff I will showcase um, in a moment that um, early versions are up on our prototype website. Um, the next phase of that will also include um, coming back out to have discussions with uh, states and territories about um, how those data sets can perhaps be more harmonised um, or more consistent from the beginning and also filling any gaps um, if there are states that perhaps aren't releasing um, something like traffic counts or heavy vehicle counts or um, where maybe one state is pro providing a lot of detail and some other states aren't um, obviously coming out to talk with everyone uh, about whether we can encourage everyone to to release a bit more detail. Uh, the second stream of work under the freight data, uh, the road freight data program is supporting the national service level standards for roads. Um, some of you have hopefully heard of this project. Um, it's been running for quite a while. Um, uh, and I won't delve into too much detail, but that is, I guess, a, a, another really great piece of work that has created some nationally consistent road categories um, and is now moving on to, and up some high level framework for national service level standards for roads um, and is now moving into, I think, phase five, where they will now be um, trialling, collecting data from all the states and territories on all roads, or, uh, not local roads, sorry, uh, state managed roads, um, to try and produce some early versions of, of actual service level standard reports. Oh, truck telematics data um, is uh, basically what you see there, um, working with um, our arbitrary colleagues who have a really successful pilot, um, create, uh, pulling in truck GPS data or truck telematics data, um, anonymising that and then using that um, to produce reports and analysis that can be used for decision making. Um, I'll also showcase some examples of that um, in a moment, um, but you can also check out the Bitree webpage for some of the more formal publications based on that data um, as well. So 
So just a quick tour of the Prototype Hub website because I think I'm going a little bit slow. Um, for those of you who haven't seen, there's three main areas of the site. Um, Insights, which is where we've put all the, the bright and shiny, exciting interactive maps and graphs and dashboards based on the data that we wanted to showcase. And the purpose of that really is to, um, to demonstrate what can be done with freight data and the types of analysis that can be created. Um, we also have uh, a first cut of a freight data catalogue, which is searchable uh, and will take you off to um, the locations to download sort of key freight data and also a page kind of outlining the projects that are, were running um, around this time last year. So that, that page is also um, due for an update to, to present more information about our 13 projects and that's underway. So the insights, um, there's already quite a lot of insights up there. Again, I won't list them all, you can see there, but quite a lot of these do relate to roads and road related data. And I'm going to show you a couple of them now. I definitely recommend um, having a click around if you haven't. Um, this really is a prototype website. It's a genuine prototype. Um, we have a survey sitting over the top now um, where we're asking for feedback and we are genuinely hungry for feedback and ideas and people to tell us whether this layout and, and this type of content is working for them or whether they'd like to see different things. So definitely put in a plug there to go look at the website and give us some feedback. All right. Just checking time. Um, okay, so some one of the um, pieces of analysis that I um, am really, I guess, particularly happy with is this roads roughness um, insight up on our webpage. This one um, pulls together some really fantastic data that is shared by state and territory governments as open data into the department. Um, and it presents really detailed asset information for every 100 metre segment of road um, for, it, for all state managed roads. So on this map, you can drill right down, um, click on a segment of road and see around 50 fields of information for that segment, um, including things like roughness, rutting, cracking, um, number of lanes, lane width, shoulder, um, surface type, all that sort of stuff. Um, so this is definitely uh, a data set that we'll be working to keep updated um, and to keep that data flowing in um, and open because it's just so useful for many different purposes. Uh, what we've visualised here out of those 50 fields is the IRI, so the International Roughness Index um, with um, uh, I can't remember how we distribute it, but yes, yeah, so a bit of I think it's a bit of a bell curve. Um, with green through to red for the roughest patches. Uh, this is another map um, where we've pulled out the key freight routes, um, which um, the supply the implementation unit maintain um, in blue, and overlaid that with Commonwealth government investment in roads over the last 10 years or so. So we have a wonderfully rich data set um, which has tracked all of that Commonwealth investment um, and we can now I guess make some really great maps and dashboards from that looking at where where investments have been made over time. Um, the size of the yellow bubbles is kind of um, linked obviously with the size of the spending at that location or on that particular project. Um, really baseline data set here, probably the foundational data set if, if I had to choose is just basic traffic counts. Um, this one's been quite a key focus for us over the last few months. Um, and again, we've got that up on our webpage um, in a basic interactive map that you can then see a little bar chart on the right there, seeing the total traffic in green and the heavy vehicle proportion in blue. Um, there's quite a lot of these, so I'm just going to click through and give you a little taste. Um, this map is a really, really interesting one. It takes some of that newer truck telematics data and starts to um, 
understand congestion and the speed of traffic on our networks and across our cities in particular. Um, we've just introduced a new tool late last year where you can actually put in a route, which you can see here I'll highlighted in green, um, and then the dashboard on the left will give you the aggregated data for that particular route that you've put in. Um, Roadworks and road closures is another one um, that we have picked up from state and territory open data and then done quite a lot of work to try and harmonise the fields um, and produce a nationally consistent data set. And to be honest, there's still a fair bit of work to be done there. Um, but this is an incredibly valuable data set, um, both for resilience planning um, and also route planning. So um, we keep the history of this data set, which I don't think is publicly available um, anywhere else, so that we can start to understand where historically where roads have closed, for example, um, in flood or bushfire situations, um, and start to, to support resilience planning with that type of data. Uh, I think this might be the last one. So uh, this little map um, pulls together two really interesting data sets. It's another um, set of open data that each of, each of the state and territories produce um, that we've now picked up and tried to harmonise, which is the location of formal rest areas and the facilities available at those rest areas in each state and territory. So we've pulled that together um, and again done as best we can at harmonising it um, and then popped it on the map as the blue dots um, and the dashboard on the left enables you to have a look at what facilities are available at those rest areas. Excuse me. <clears throat> Um, we've also overlaid that um, with this sort of new data set of truck GPS truck telematics data um, to give a feel for which of the rest areas are getting the most stops or the most trucks um, passing through. The really important thing to note with this kind of analysis at this stage is it's only a really small sample of the fleet. Um, giving their GPS locations to us. So that type of information is more indicative and a demonstration of how useful it could be and hopefully an encouragement to get more and more um, vehicles sharing their location information into that pilot. <clears throat> so um, oh, I might... Um, not dwell on this too long because I did give a bit of an intro to the project um, earlier and my computer's just frozen. Bear with me, all of my talking points have disappeared. Okay. Um, <clears throat> All right, so a bit more of an overview or a bit of a, a bit more of a dive into the road data project in particular. Um, and then I'll hand over to Andrew. Um, so again, I guess as I've highlighted, we want to um, work with states and territories over the next few years um, of Freight Data Hub initiative funding um, to improve the consistency and perhaps the completeness of some of those feeds um, that we want to produce nationally harmonised data sets from. Um, we'll be supporting the national service level standards work um, and also, um, I guess, enhancing, combining and upgrading the initial prototype maps that I've just shown um, to be as useful as possible um, for the Freight Data Hub objectives and particularly planning and prioritising investments. Um, down the bottom three points here, you can see the key data sets, rest areas, traffic counts and roadworks that we'll be focused on um, harmonising and improving over the next year at least. Um, and then the other really key um, focus of this project is settling um, some kind of base map um, or method for segmenting or at least matching segments of roads across different um, different maps or GIS systems, um, which is kind of a technical challenge that has come up over and over again um, that we're hoping the Freight Data Cup can um, 
support a solution for, if not provide a, a solution for everyone, at least one that will work for as many people as possible. Um, truck movement data, a bit more on that one. Um, we'll be working over the next couple of years um, to try and get more participants in that pilot and in that system, um, not only working directly with industry, um, but also with really key partners like the TCA, Transport Certification Australia, um, and also the team within the department that's running the National Heavy Vehicle Charging Pilot, um, who have similar interests and needs um, around truck movement data. One of the key steps there, I guess, is going to that final point um, at the bottom of this slide, will be hopefully settling a minimum or a foundational data set um, that can be used across the Freight Data Hub system the Bittery pilot and the heavy vehicle charging pilot. And we would be looking to base that on the TCA's um, framework. Oh, a couple of other connections, which provides a really good segue into Andrew's presentation. Um, so two other projects under the Freight Data Hub, um, but with really deep connections or, or even kind of leads out in CSIRO and um, the implementation unit, um, our national freight supply chain strategy reporting. Um, so there's currently a dashboard um, providing some reporting under the strategy up on the Bitry webpage. Um, but the implementation unit has a whole program of work to refine the KPIs under the strategy and then start collecting and publishing data showing progress against um, those KPIs in a bit more detail. Um, so the Freight Data Hub is supporting that work. And then most importantly, um, linking in with the work to benchmark Australia's supply chains, which Andrew is going to talk um, a lot more with you. Um, also really strong links with the Freight Data Hub um, in terms of um, sharing data, supporting data and um, sharing where we release or present the, the products and the analysis from these projects. So I perhaps won't dive too much into this one because Andrew's going to talk about it more now. So without further ado, oh, here's our web pages. So you'll be able to have a look at those um, after the session. Um, I might hand over to Andrew. Uh, good afternoon, everyone. Um, well, thanks for joining the uh, session this afternoon. So. I was going to give an update on the uh, supply chain benchmarking um, dashboard, uh, which is a joint work between the department and CSRO over the last uh, year or so. And so the benchmarking dashboard, we now have a, a version that's been released, initially released October last year, and recently updated, um, and you know, updated version released about um, a couple of weeks ago. So one of the goals of the benchmarking dashboard is to allow comparisons of um, freight and supply chains across regional, across geographical, and over time, and also be able to compare different um, aspects of the supply chain leg, whether from production, point of production through to retail markets or export ports, or for imported freight you know, from the port through or through to markets or wherever the freight's being used in production or you know, inputs to processing and so forth. Um, so the project, the project work's been going on for about the last year with the department. However, the knowledge base behind it, uh, which is the baseline information from the transit model, has um, been uh, around, been building up over the last 10 years, basically. So it's a big, large knowledge base of hard and soft information on uh, you know, freight movements and um, supply chains. So the more recent version, um, you know, originally we had about 140 commodities. Um, now it's been updated with more commodities. Uh, particularly around the construction sector and byproducts of uh, commodities such as your molasses, your hides and skins, and the other one from other sorts of byproducts from uh, different manufacturers. We're um, able to do geographical comparisons, so uh, you know, look at freight that's moving from one location to go to another location, could be a state, local government area, RDA. Obviously, it's quite you know, desensitised, so we don't show can't show information that will uh, reveal what's happening at an enterprise level. And also updated, you know, um, you know, a lot of corrections and, you know, other sorts of um, features and variables are being shown as well too, like you know, the prepare across time. So 
Um, I would encourage you to take a look at uh, the latest version that's um, you know out there now. As I mentioned, it is based on a knowledge base. So 10 years ago, we started with mapping uh, freight movements of cattle in Northern Australia um, to provide an evidence-based approach to help inform where you might invest in roads to get the best bang for buck for reducing transport costs. And over those last 10 years, it's been extended to broader agriculture, uh, then broader freight, uh, road and rail, um, and in the official including uh, uh, coastal shipping and air freight as well too. So it's a very large knowledge base. It's had a lot of input from uh, hundreds of industry organisations, a lot of reading to improve how we represent the freight logistics. So um, we actually got the micro logistics right at different locations. So for example, you look at the wine industry at Yender, you know, you've got a very short road trip to get to the rail facility at Griffiths. Um, there's obviously complicated logistics there because it's in the middle of town and you need you know, rail out to Port of Melbourne and other parts of Australia. So it's, you know, substance at the level of detail we'd like to get. So we use this vehicle operating cost model. So when you look at the um, dashboard, look at transport costs, it's not freight rates, but transport costs. I mean, how much does it cost to transport a, um, say, a truckload of um, grain or bananas or or general freight from point A to point B, take into account the different types of costs, driver costs, capital costs, fuel costs, and so forth. That would make up the cost of operating that vehicle from uh, one point to the other, including your capital costs as well, too, and backloading. So it's um, developed a lot of different uh, knowledge base over the years. I mean, we've had a lot of input from uh, several hundred industry organisations. A lot of that is through the large projects we've had with the Australian government, like the Agriculture White Paper, Inland Rail Work, um, and other work we've had with the department, with, uh, various Australian government departments. The model covers up more than 500,000 enterprises um, and you know, we've got nearly a million supply chain paths um, mapped in there as well, in the model as well too. So that's the baseline output which you can see that comes in the transit model. So when we run scenarios, what's the impact of building a, a new intermodal facility or upgrading roads or moving from road to rail or impacts the disruptions such as the recent uh, flood events around Queensland, which we're working now with the National Situation Room, we can identify what's the transport cost reductions for investments, or the transport cost impacts or not being able to move freight around from these major types of uh, climatic events. So that's the baseline information, it goes into the benchmarking dashboard, which allows the user to navigate around, the, you know, baseline information to look at what's moving, um, you know, performance of different types of commodities in terms of cost per tonne, total freight cost value, uh, it can sort of navigate and, you know, analyse in a wide range of different ways. So to actually all that dashboard is, you know, correctly accessible either through the, the Freight Data Hub um, or through the CSIRO uh, link um, in there as well too. Um, so we've obviously got some, a lot of new improvements coming in uh, this year. Um, so improving the geographical comparisons. So um, again, that's a new feature to have a bit of a, a, a look at now. Um, you can see like what freight is coming in from Queensland and what's going out, what's going out between Western Australia and you know Victoria. So it allows you to do a lot of wide range of comparisons. We're introducing a capability to compare over time. So about every uh, four to six months, we upgrade, update baseline information in, in the transit model. And that allows us to sh show what commodities have been updated in terms of currency, what new model commodities have been updated, what changes to the transport network uh, have been involved in a change, so you know, upgrades to the Pacific Motorway, for example, upgrades to different rail networks. Um, so it allows you to look at what's the comparison between what the freight was looking like, say, two years ago versus what's happening now. So it gives you those uh, across time comparisons. We're in the process of adding coastal shipping, um, eventually air freight, uh, as well as um, international benchmarks. So through some work with the uh, DFAT and ACR, we've extended the work to a number of commodities in Indonesia and Vietnam and through a lot of support, in-country support. So predominantly, uh, you know, agriculture products in uh, Indonesia and Vietnam, like uh, rice, the cattle, sugar, cassava, maize, really sort of important ones to, for those countries. And we'll be adding those comparisons to the benchmark dashboard over the coming months as well too. So you can look at how there's like grain movements in Australia compared to say, you know, grain movements in Vietnam. And that's sort of a bit of a first step to extending it to other countries as well too um, in the future. So that's about uh, all I'd say about the, the benchmarking dashboard. And like I said, I encourage you to have a little play with it. Any sort of questions you just come back to either the department or myself. And thank you. Great. 
Thank you, Andrew. So, hi everyone. Um, my name is Deb Ferns, and my current role in the department is to leave on, lead on the delivery of the implementation of the National Urban Freight Planning Principles. So, the aim is to address Australia's growing freight task by improving urban uh, urban land use planning for freight. The principles were developed in response to industry calls to improve urban freight planning as identified in the 2018 inquiry into national freight and supply chain priorities. The inquiry recommended the development of the principles and the delivery as part of the broader reform package under the national freight and supply chain strategy. Another key report that influenced the, de the development of the principles was Infrastructure Australia's 2019 Infrastructure Audit, which highlighted that poor integrated land use planning has contributed significantly to freight delays and congestion. Uh, Therefore, um, the principles were aimed to address industry and government concerns regarding the growing freight task and appropriately balance the efficient movement of freight with other land use requirements. Cons consultation was critical in the principles development and in 2020, we held public consultations with over 60 industry organisations and individuals, as well as three public focus groups and online survey. Through this consultation process, seven high principles were identified. So this is, a, this is an overview of the seven principles. I won't go through all of them um, in detail, but they're designed to highlight linkages between freight movement and land use planning. Each of the seven principles emphasises a key freight related concept and land use planners that land use planners should consider. The aim is to encourage better coordination on freight issues between all levels of government and industry. Our intention is that the principles promote a shared understanding of the value of freight and what the freight considerations are in land use planning. Okay. So um, our overarching intention is that the principles are incorporated into state and territory land use planning guidelines and mirrored in local government planning schemes as appropriate. In terms of their practical application for local and state government, our intention is that the principles are referred to when creating or updating urban planning policy documents, reviewing development applications, or developing new transportation plans. The full background on what we want to achieve under each principle is available online on the Freight Australia website, and that's been referred to in, in these sessions already. Because uh, we also want to encourage each jurisdiction to apply the principles in a way that's consistent with their own context requirements and capabilities. So just to dive into one, which is a, I guess a, a, a key uh, one, is we'd like to how we'd like to see the, imp, imp, the principles implemented is we can look at principle seven, which is emerging technologies. Our intention with this principle is to ensure that land use planning is future proofed and adaptable as technologies emerge and that change and how that will change how freight moves in urban areas. This pr principle is particularly relevant given the rise of e-commerce during the pandemic, which has caused freight movements to change as jurisdictions have temporary lifted curfews and as industry continues to roll out electronic vehicles as well as automated 24-7 operations. In terms of its practical application, we've included some example actions listed under these principles. These are some examples uh, that we'd like to see government and industry doing to apply to this principle. State and local governments could engage with the freight industry to understand and prepare for the impact of new technologies on freight. Governments could update planning strategies and guidelines to capture the needs of electronic vehicles to support industry update. Governments could work with uh, industry to predict future freight movements in urban areas when reviewing road standards, development and infrastructure. We do recognise that taking these actions might not all be feasible, which is why we're really keen 
to work with state, local governments and industry to help develop the capacity to apply the principles. We've already identified now uh, several areas that the Commonwealth can progress to support the principles implementation. So I'm going to share with you some current um, projects that we have at the moment. So a project that we're working on, which is an iMove scoping study into a tertiary course on plan and urban planning. A key way to implement the principles is through educational program that upskills future urban planners in freight issues. The aim of the project is to scope the development of a tertiary course in urban planning freight. Um, work has just commenced on this project, uh, but as part of it, we do intend um, to hold a national summit in June 2022, this year, and which will be an excellent opportunities for stakeholders from academic, state and local government and industry to meet and discuss areas of improvement in urban freight planning education. Uh, in addition, we are doing an iMove urban freight shifts project. Um, and the purpose of this project is to better understand the future needs of urban freight providers so we can effectively service uh, growing urban freight volumes. We understand the future needs of providers uh, may vary uh, with factors like vehicle size, model and technology requirements. And so we've engaged iMove to better understand the urban freight shifts and use this information uh, for future projects as well. Another project we're undertaking uh, with iMove, and it is looking uh, or undertaking a review of the Mapping Australian key freight routes. And uh, the, key, the national key freight routes are an initiative of the department in collaboration with state and territory governments. And the map provides a detailed picture of road and rail connecting Australia's nationally significant places for freight. And you saw Georgia, um, Georgina uh, referenced to that before. Um, at fleets such as uh, links to airports, ports and intermodal terminals. Uh, there is benefit in improving this mapping experience for users by exploring its ongoing use, uh, existing governments arrangements and whether there is scope to improve the key freight uh, routes geospatial data sets. Um, so this project will analyse the current geospatial initiatives across jurisdictions and to identify how we can improve or how we can, can maybe do this um, differently going forward. Okay, so I guess next steps, one of the things with the principles is that each jurisdiction will report on their practical applications to uh, practical actions to implement the principles through the national freight and supply chain strategy in the next annual reporting process. We'll continue to work closely with the jurisdictions to support them achieving their identified actions. So just to share with you an example of some recent stakeholder engagement work uh, that we undertook late last year with the Victoria government, our assistant secretary of, the, of our branch, uh, Paula Stagg, delivered a presentation on the principles to an engagement session arranged by Freight, uh, Freight Victoria. Um, the engagement session was one of three uh, sessions bringing together representatives from the Victorian state government, local government and industry to discuss first and last kilometre access issues. Um, you know, and so it was really good to be part of this process um, and, and to assist with Victoria. So we received some really useful feedback from the session um, and, and, and opportunities and all can now consider opportunities going forward that we can um, maybe implement. So at the moment, we're currently using the feedback to identify key issues regarding urban freight planning, as well as actions the Commonwealth can take up regarding the principles. Okay, so we're also working on some other initiatives in the background, and we hope to announce so, uh, soon some work that the Commonwealth will deliver in 2022 and onwards. This is the end of my presentation on the National Urban Freight Planning Principles. Now we can move on to the Q&A, and we welcome everyone to send us your questions.
Hello everyone, can you see me or hear me rather? Look good. Now we've got some questions and um, and thank you everyone for yeah your enthusiastic typing of questions as the presentations have been going on. Now one of the questions that we have it relates to the statistics, you know our uh, rate growth projections um, and in particular the figure of 30% of growth in road freight pops up everywhere but what's the provenance of that figure? So um, the 30, uh, the 35% that we use in terms of total freight from 2018 to 2040 comes from our the Bureau of Infrastructure Transport Research Economics, which BITRA, which sits within the um, infrastructure portfolio of the Australian government. And they do um, regular projections on all types of transport, um, including freight. So the last latest research was done in uh, 20, uh, 2019, which shows a 56% um, increase in road uh, freight from 2018 to 2040. And um, after, after this presentation, um, when we answer you know, the remaining questions we'll also be sending out to everyone. Uh, the link to BITRA and, you know, the particular area of interest in terms of uh, freight stats. Now on to some other questions. Georgia, I've got one for you. Now, will there be work associated with a hub that links uh, with the National Transport Commission's work on who moves what where? Thanks, that's a great question and that is a fantastic report, I have to say. Um, we haven't got any direct links in terms of producing an updated report. Um, but I, yeah, so look, I guess I would just be drawing the common sense type links to products like that, where the focus of the Freight Data Hub is about improving the baseline data or the foundational data essentially. Um, and it would enable the NTC or, or anyone really in future to hopefully be able to draw on richer, more up-to-date, more complete um, data to do reports like that or to, to do an updated version of that report. Um, that's the simple answer. But yeah, look, that, that's such a comprehensive report. Certainly um, there's many overlaps with the types of things that report looks at um, and the publications Bitree does and the maps we've produced. Um, yeah, I guess it shows that a lot of these questions are enduring questions about who moves what where. Yeah, and they summed it up beautifully with that title too. Thanks very much, Georgia. Now, Andrew, I've got one for you. Can you please advise how well the dashboard describes freight modes in WA? Yes, so, it's, <coughs> so the data is um, for institute gathered, um, yeah, so pretty equally over the states. Um, so when we do it for, say, livestock, uh, we map out the movements from the origin destination, particular cattle property, through to you know, abattoirs or um, you know, feedlots and everything else. That, and that's done pretty well represented across the whole country. Similarly for grains, similarly for general freight as well too. So I had a lot of information from, uh, you know, support from the ports. We had a lot of uh, support from the uh, Department of Transport and others in Western Australia. So we do double check in terms of what percentage of freight we actually do have represented. Uh, we have been adding a lot of other commodities in Western Australia recently, like the lithium industry, titanium, uh, you know, double checking the information on the mine. So we do try, we do go from state to state to, to double check, you know, where do we have certain data gaps, uh, where, how we can actually um, correct these, uh, either new commodities or, you know, making the existing commodities we have a, a bit more granular. Thanks very much, Andrew. And uh, Deb, over to you. Uh, now, there's a question about the principles. Have you considered the reservation of land for urban logistical facilities, such as warehouses or distribution centres? 
There is definitely under the principles about protecting precincts. Um, and so there is an encouragement for the states to, uh, you know, is to see areas or um, of, I guess, potential renewal, but also protecting them as a precinct um, area that could be used for that. And we're definitely under the principles uh, looking at what the connections say or making sure there's those con connections between areas that have set up into modals um, that allows like that movement or efficient movement from that into urban areas. So I'm hoping that assists with answering that question. Great, thanks very much. Now, um, I think this might be one for Georgia. Is there a map available noting the signed speed limit of roads nationally or per state? No, there is not. <laughs> uh, this is something we actually investigated as part of a pre previous phase uh, of heavy vehicle road reform before the national service level standards for roads um, sort of kicked off. Um, surprisingly, it was one of the more difficult things to find and um, it's not something that each of the states publish in a, in a consistent way or even that all of the states publish or hold strong um, or I guess clear accurate data on in particularly in terms of a map um, so look the short answer is no it's something it's definitely a gap we want to fill um, not just from the freight data hub perspective if anyone knows of something um, that would be close to that please uh, flick us an email um, and we'll check it out um, so there's a few sources, but they're all different and not quite complete. Um, Google does have a feature like this, um, or they did have in development back then, um, but they weren't prepared to release it. Um, here and other mapping places do as well, but again, they always quantify or qualify it with kind of caveats. Um, some of the states release it as open data. Um, most of the states hold some information, I think, in their own road maintenance type systems or their own mapping areas, but um, don't necessarily release it. So um, yeah, I think it's a real gap. A short answer, it's a real gap, no. Um, and I think it's probably a gap because of the sensitivities around that type of data and um, perhaps they're needing to be a formal, oh, look, I'm making this up a bit now. There's probably people who know more about this um, in the audience, but there probably needs to be a formal uh, source of that speed limit information. And my understanding is that it's the actual signs on the road. Um, and so other sources of information, I think, um, introduce a bit of complexity and confusion and are treated with wariness and with a, I guess, a risk lens over them. Mm. Mm. But yeah, keen to know more if others in the session um, have more information than we do. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks, Georgia. Um, staying on data in the Freight Data Hub is clearly a hot topic of interest. Um, what kind of data has had the most interest in the hub? Is there a difference between like public versus private sector users? Um, we can't tell um, whether someone's public or private sector from their visits to our website. Um, so uh, not sure on that one. Certainly we did run two discussion papers and two rounds of workshops in the design process. Um, and look, we actually got reasonably consistent responses to those discussion papers from private and public sector. Although I would say the private sector was more focused on um, concerns about data security and commercial and confidence and, and privacy type barriers to sharing data. Although certainly um, public sector organisations are very, very aware of that and, and raise those types of um, things as well. 
Um, so we don't have um, any good kind of data about the difference in terms of what people are viewing on the page, on the prototype page. Um, we are starting to get some good data about what the more popular data or the more popular visualizations are. Um, the standout data in the catalogue is certainly the ABS merchandise trade statistics, which is something new that we released in that catalogue um, and is an incredibly rich source of information about commodities, drilling right down to really detailed commodities. Um, and that is really showcased in the insight called imports and exports, I think. Um, definitely worth a look. Um, in terms of the more popular visualisations or insights, um, they all get quite a lot of um, viewings uh, there, but there were a few, I'm just trying to remember which were the highlights. Um, the numbers of trucks on roads, so the basic traffic counts gets quite a lot of traffic. Um, the congestion one and the a new one actually which we didn't put in here um, which looks at local government area um, origins and destinations from local government areas um, is also quite popular um, but there's not a lot of difference between them all they they, re, they do um, most of them sort of in a bit of a bundle of getting a similar amount of traffic. Thanks very much, Georgia. Um, Andrew, over to you. Now, following on from your, um, yeah, the question you answered previously, does the dashboard enable comparison of modes from city to city or town to town? Uh, the the users trying to understand the productive value of rail versus trucks along various routes across WA. So it doesn't do it from town to town, but you can filter LGA by to LGA. So wherever the um, intermodals um, sit, basically. So remember too, the dashboard does desensitise. So if you filter down to specific commodity. And if it's less than like five enterprises, it will uh, desensitise it because of you know uh, revealing information enterprise level. But the way to do it would be to uh, filter LGA to LGA, and you can look at uh, rail versus road. Now remember too that the commodities on rail will be different uh, to road, often often be different to road because of the sort of suitability, uh, particularly bulk versus containerised and everything else that goes with that. But yeah, an example might be, you know, suitable might be say Melbourne to Perth. Um, you pick you know, like LGA where the intermodals are in Melbourne, and Altona and all the way across to Perth, and you can look at the commodities that are moved by rail versus road. But again, you have to take into account their commodities will be uh, differently. So there's going to be some contextual differences there to make sort of realistic comparisons. Right, thanks, Andrew. Uh, realize we're getting close to you know um, our time allocation for the Q&A um, and for the whole webinar itself so perhaps just one last question to Georgia we still have a few questions left and we'll um, so after this uh, webinar we will do our best to answer them and and then send the questions out to everyone uh, the answers back to everyone by email so Georgia last one now in relation to road roughness uh, insights, how is data reported and how often is it collected or updated? The road roughness information comes um, from each state and territory um, and it's collected and collated as part of their road maintenance and road assessment processes um, and it's updated for them on a rolling fashion. Um, as most of you guys probably know, um, they have different assessment vehicles um, trundling around assessing their roads all the time. Um, in terms of when it comes to us, um, the latest update we have I think is 2018, maybe some from 2019 from some of the states. Um, 
and that update kind of data request has been on hold essentially while we did the work on designing the freight data hub so we'll that's another one that we'll be picking up this year um, to hopefully go out with that data request again for updated roughness um, and other sort of base kind of road asset information to the states and territories. Um, hope that answers that one. Great. Thanks, Georgia and Andrew and Deb, and thanks, audience. Now over to you, Katarina. Um, thank you very much, everybody, um, for a great presentation, very interesting Q&A. Um, and just a couple of slides before we let everybody go. Um, as you can see on your screen, we have a few sessions uh, scheduled for March, uh, so please visit our website for more information and to register, or you can also subscribe to our newsletter to receive alerts. Um, and as you exit, uh, there will be a questionnaire that will pop up on your screen. So please take a couple of minutes um, and uh, give us your feedback. Tell us what you liked or didn't like about the session. Um, it really helps us uh, to know, and it really uh, it is really great to see your suggestions for our future sessions. Um, and once again, today's session is being recorded, and we'll We'll send you the link to the recording when it's published um, on our website. Thanks again, everyone. Stay well and safe um, and enjoy the rest of your day. We will see you next time.